I want to preach to you on the gift of God. Not a gift, but the gift of God. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that God just gives us out of the ordinary. But there's not but just one gift of God. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, I won't be focusing a lot on what he did or what he said or, or mostly, but what he, what he did in one woman's life. Jesus was very unusual. That's why the Pharisees couldn't handle him. They tried to. They tried to catch him and things. They tried to uh, push their traditions on and all, but nothing stuck. Kind of like Donald Trump in the election, isn't it? Of course, I wish Donald Trump knew Jesus. We might be more comfortable about it. But he is a gift, and he's given to each and every one of us. But, but what I want to talk to you about is the woman at Samaria. And I'll talk a little bit about Samaria. I have before. Uh, Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria. Now that would be the last place on earth. Listen to this. That would be the last place on earth that the Jews would think he would go. It was the last place they th- that he would go. That the, 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 the apostles was just dumbfounded when he said, "I got we got to go through Samaria." Samaria was a uh, a place where they had, they worshipped other gods. They weren't Jews. I'll, I'll bring out a little history and a little bit about them, but they weren't Jews, but they tried to be Jews. You know, we got a church world full of people that's trying to be Christians, hello? But they're not, I'm sorry to say. I wish they were. I wish every member of every church was saved. I wish every member of the Assemblies of God was saved. Come on. Well, sometimes we just take our traditions and uh, I guess write them on our heart or something and think this is what it's all about, but it's not. It's all about Jesus Christ, and it's all about the laws. John 4, a little reading here, but just bear with me. John 4, 4 through 26, and he must go needs, uh, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his own, uh, his, his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat or food. Then said the woman of Samaria, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me? I think she said it just like that. Because there was animosity between all of them, which was the woman of Samaria. For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. 
And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that, that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? I want to stop right here and tell you she's deceived because Jacob didn't give it to them. He gave it to Israel. Okay, But she's deceived in what she's saying here. Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither cometh hither to draw. Let me tell you something. Before you get that water, you're going to have to deal with your past. If you're a sinner, you're going to deal with it, okay? And she was. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come thither. And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou hast, hast is not thy husband, and that saith thou truly. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, thou art cometh, when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem, worship God. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour coming, thank God it's here, that now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he comes, he shall tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Very few people he said that to, but he said it to her because he was on a mission. He was on a mission. I'll tell you more than a thousand, thousand sermons could be preached on all, all of this today. This one event in the life of Christ really teaches us how we should live, how we should do. It teaches us, first of all, that Christ cares about us as an individual. You may think you feel so lonely. You may think you're so out of place. You may think a lot of things about yourself and you think you're isolated, but you're not. He cares for you, just like he cares for this woman. He teaches us that divorced people can be saved. <laughs> Hello. I don't know where we get off on our big old 
holy horse or whatever you want to call it. It teaches us that he will go great distance and put forth great effort to reach people who are in need and hurting. And this woman was, but not only her. We'll see in a little bit. He also teaches us that in reaching one person, it will have a positive effect on many people. Very few times in my life when I've seen people get saved that it did not affect other people. In the family, friends, it just spreads out, thank God. It teaches us that Christ and Christ alone is the answer for the lives of people. Not, she had all the religion. She had the law down pat. She wasn't a Jew, but I mean, they were going by. I mean, you get over in 2 Kings, I think the 16th chapter, and read about what all was going on and how the Assyrians moved them out and brought other people in and lions started eating them. And they thought, well, that's because we're not worshiping that God. They sent a priest in from another country and he tells them what they need to do. And boy, they started doing every bit of it, but they never would throw their gods away. Still worship their gods. This woman comes to draw water from Jacob's well. She comes along. Normally, water time, all the women came. She came along. You say, well, that's just for this. No, she came along. Every day, she came along. The women of the city had separated themselves from her because of her lifestyle. Been married five times, living with a guy. Throw her in the trash can. Don't look at me strange, because I'm going to tell you that's what a lot of us do sometimes. You listen to me. He came to seek and save that which was lost. You might be a good moral person. Roy and I were talking the other day about a guy. That's a, he's talking about what a wonderful, good moral person he is, but he'll never go to church. I'm glad he's a good moral person, but I don't care. If you're a good moral person, you still need the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins. You can never get good enough, even after you get saved, to be worthy of heaven. It's all by grace and faith and the mercies of God. You know, I kind of picture her coming down, carrying that pitcher of water on her head, tired, empty as that bucket was inside, lonely, an outcast, Thirsting for something or someone to fill the emptiness of her soul. They're out there. I don't care what they're doing. Forget about what they're doing, how they dress, how they look. They're hunting what you've already found. They go to that well every day. And, they, and it empties out on them. No hope. Oh, but this day something's going to change. October the 1st, 1960. 
I, I, you see, I've heard it a hundred times. You're going to hear it a hundred more if I stay here. This is the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Most foul-mouthed person on earth. I delighted in learning new words to say, cursing. That made me big. You know, I made them. Of course, we fought all the time. We was raised in a mining camp. You had to be tough. Come on. And the Bible says don't let any filthy communication come out of your mouth. Does that mean when I'm real mad? Especially when you're real mad. Don't. I don't know how I got on that, but I did. She's about to meet somebody that's going to change her desires, her thoughts, and her priorities. And he could do it in just a few short moments. And he did. This outcast tramp after Jesus got through with her. Yes, he brought up her past. People need to know what they're getting saved from. A lot of people get saved and go right, or think they get saved and go right back out there and start doing the same thing. No, 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 it don't work that way. Old things pass away and all things become new in our life. And I'm going to tell you the new is better. I can prove it. There's a car out there that's real old. They'll say, but there's some brand new ones out there they'll give you too. Which one you want? I'm talking about free. You, I mean, they'll give it to you free. I mean, if they did, you're going to say, well, give me that old one. Now, if it's old Studebaker or something like that, you might take it. Oh, there he is back there. But we want the new. The new life is better. She went in and brought good news to the town. Behold, come and see a man who has told me all things. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Oh, they said. And they came out. And they believed. And he preached to them. And then they come to her and said, Yeah, we believe on you what you said. But now we really believe. I'll put it that way. We really believe because we have heard him. Let me tell you, there's nothing more important in your life than hearing the word of God in your heart. Amen. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about a one-on-one -on -one with the Holy Spirit when he speaks to you and tells you and talks to you oh, and tells you how to overcome things. Amen. Hallelujah. See, she changed the landscape from the natural to the spiritual. Come on. Jesus did that all the time. He used this natural well to tell her about the living water. He used fish. Several times he used fish. Cast it over on the right side. Oh, we're tired all nine. Well, you already save your energy. What he speaks to you. Then, then do it, okay? Brought a great draw of fish. Even when Peter had backsliding, giving up, and going back fishing, God gave him more fish than he knew what to do with. Read it. 
You know what, Ed? He looked at those fish and he looked at Jesus. And he made up his mind the most important thing in his life was Jesus. And he come a great man from God. He was he that preached on the day of Pentecost. He done so many miracles. So many great things for God. He used vineyards. He even used money. He even used taxes. Go down, Peter, and throw a hook in, bring a fish out, and there's going to be some money in it, and go pay our taxes. Now, I wish mine was that easy. <laughs> he used wine, wine bottles, riches, poverty, oxen, sheep, children leaving home and coming back. Come on. I know some of you like that leaving home. I don't know whether you know that coming back or not. But Feast and famine, hunger, and in this case, a thirst, a well. He uses a natural well with natural water to show her that she was seeking for the wrong things in the wrong places. You don't, I don't get out and drive around, but you just, I, I, you know, I watch 50-year-old Westerns on television and a little bit of news. I don't know what's really going on out there, but I can tell you one thing. It's, hell is burst loose out there, I'll tell you that. The devil's doing everything he can to get people away from God and keep people from coming to God because he knows his time is short. Let's look at what transpires here as I said remember she was a Samaritan and as far as she knows that Jesus is just a Jew to begin with give me a drink Jesus says now you know this is her time to get back at the Jews we wait around sometime to get back we bide our time. Come on. I like it when it's quiet because I know I'm telling the truth. You've been a Jew. You're asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? You Jews who have nothing to do with us now, you're asking me for a drink? But Jesus surprised her. He didn't answer her with a scorn that she asked. Let me tell you something. You listen closer to this. You cannot win people that is offended. If he had said back to her what he could have said, that would have probably ended it all. Do good for evil. Let me say it again. Do good for evil. Five amens. Love them that hate you. That despisely uses you. Love them. I want to get back to get back at them. Well, you ain't no way you can get back at them anymore than showing them goodness and kindness and telling them you love them. Come on. Because they're hunting an argument. 
And here you are giving them the answer of life from the Prince of Peace. He didn't answer her as, as a Jew, but he answered her as the Son of God. We might be Americans, but we're Christians first. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. If thou knewest, if you knew, he was saying to this troubled soul, and she was, I want you just to imagine, just how would you like to live with all the weight of sin that this woman had in her life? Married five times. That means she had five family of in-laws at one time. And naturally, they blamed her for everything. Hello? Well, we do. Blamed her. The women ain't having anything to do with her. The law says. I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you, I feel the power of God right now so strong in my you better forget about the law and look to the grace of the almighty God because no man was able to keep the law. I don't care if it was written in Moses' day or if it's written what we write down. Come on. We live by the grace of the almighty God and through his mercy. And that's when we fail, he picks us up. Oh, hallelujah. If I knew us, he said, if you knew, You knew the marvelous opportunity. There's an opportunity right here today. Jesus is here. He said, where two or three gather in my name, there I'll be in the midst. He's here. No, I can't see him. But I'll tell you, I feel his Holy Spirit. There's an opportunity. You may have a need in your life. There may be something going on in your life. You may be here and you may have fallen from grace. Whatever it is, it does not make it any difference. He's here to meet your need today. He tells us here that he's our Savior. He's our Holy Spirit baptizer. You know what I found out with the church and in my own life at the time? God does something for us and we just get satisfied with it and don't think there's anything else coming. Come on. I will remember when I got saved, and I know I got saved. I got proof. I went in and hugged my mother-in-law. And if you knew my mother-in-law, my uh, relation with my mother-in-law, you would know something that happened to Jerry Langford. Because <laughs> a few weeks before that, I doubled up my fist and going to hit her. And my wife grabbed my hand. And said, Mother, you better get out of here and get out of here now. See, she's been dealing with all these high-class people, and I'm just no coal miner's son. She's cheap. But when Jesus saved me, I went in there and hugged her neck. No, I didn't try to strangle her. I just hugged her neck. Come on. <laughs> he changes us. 
I've told you a hundred times. I had, to, I had a foul mouth. I had to watch it. Now, I respected women and things like that, but I had a foul mouth, and I just had to watch myself because I didn't want one to slip out. But any other time, guess what? I woke up the next morning and found out those wasn't in me anymore. They were gone. You know why they were gone? Because the old Jerry Langford was gone. And a few months later, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's more to it than salvation. I'm telling you, to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. You cannot tell it. You have to experience it. Then I went on through life, you know, and I got a lot of blessings. And about 17 years ago, almost 18 years ago, I walked in my bedroom and walked into the power of God like I have never felt in my life. I'm saying this to tell you, he's got a lot of blessings to go with it. That power was so strong in my life, and it stayed five and a half months. Oh, I could fit it leaving, you know. Oh, God, please, I want to. But, you know, sometimes we get the blessings and then it's time to go to work. <laughs> Hello? But during that time, I got, I got to thinking, was I ever saved? Did I ever have the baptism? Of I knew I did. I answered him, yes, yes, every time. But what I'm trying to point out to you, that God's got things for you that you cannot imagine. As one man said, there's doors that have never been opened on Christ and there's curtains that's never been drawn on him. There's things that God wants to do in your life and my life that will change you in such a way that everybody around you, come on, will know it. Hallelujah. At that time, man, my wife didn't get along too good. I'd pray God change her. Oh, But you know who God changed? Me. Now point to your companion, punch him like that. Just, just punch him. <laughs> you know, sometimes when God changed me, he changed her. That's the way the blessings of God are. She is spoiled rotten. She uses about two bottles of cologne a week to keep you from smelling how spoiled she is. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Clorox, that's what it is. <laughs> Listen, seriously, there's so much, so much we fail to understand when we're in the presence of Jesus. He's our, he's our Savior. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. And don't be offended when I ask you this question. Because I'm asking it myself. Do we think God is a liar? Do we think he's a liar? Ooh, I mean, just stop right there. Do we think God's a liar? 
Evidently, sometimes we think he does because he's already told us what all he's going to do for us. And then we pray, God, if you will do this for me. Hello? And when you do that, you know what you're doing? You're approaching him in doubt. He's told us that he'd save us. He's told us that he will fill us. He's told us that he will heal us. Come on. Woo, glory to God. God, if it be your will, will you do this? It's already, he's already said it. Let's believe it and pray like it. Jesus said, come unto me, Matthew 11, 28 and 30. I'm sorry, I hadn't been calling out the scriptures. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is lying. But that 29th verse, part of this, what stands out in this message today, he says, learn of me. I didn't know all about him when I got saved. I didn't know all about him when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know all about him when I walked into my bedroom and the power of God throwed me across my bed and I wept and cried for two hours and stayed with me. I don't, I don't, that's not all, God. God's got so many things for us. Learn of me, he said. If you only knew me, learn of me, learn of me. I think what he's really trying to say to her, if I knew us, that I am the great I am is right here in front of you. Hey, listen to me. She stood in the thing, in the in the same place with the same person, not the same place, but the, in the in the same with the same person as Moses stood at the burning bush. There's no more God at the burning bush than it is right here today. And I don't know what God's got to do to get us, get off this stuff that poor old me and I don't know if I'm going to make it and my problems are so great. Have you been married five times living with a man and the whole city has turned against you? When we learn of him, we find that he's the gift of life. He's our problem solver. You know what we do? We try to solve our problems, and when we get it in a big enough mess that we can't even hardly walk through it, then we'll ask God to do something. Take it to him first. We know he was the master of the house. I mean, of the storms. He's the healer of the house. He's the son of God, the lamb of God. Bread of life, and he's the real water of life. He was saying, instead of me asking for water, you would be asking me for the living water. If we fully understood who Christ is instead of him knocking, I'm glad Dr. K read part of what he said today. You know, the layout of seeing church, he said, I'm knocking on your door. But I'll tell you, if we really, really knew who he was, 
we'd be knocking on his door. Open up, Jesus. Open up. Open up. Revelations 3 and 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Wouldn't it be wonderful instead of him seeking us out, we're seeking him? I think that's where it's supposed to be. Now, don't, don't take that as positive that he's not going to knock on you. He's talking to the lay Odyssey in church who thought they had everything going. This is a woman at one time probably was a beautiful woman. But now she's a woman of shame. And looking at her outward, I don't know what she looked like, but I've seen them at Walmart. I've seen them everywhere. You've seen them. I'm telling you, when people's life is in disarray, you can see them. And we may look at them, and I do. And I wonder, why in the world did you do that? Come on. Why are you dressed that way? You know what I'm talking about. And you know, they pass you on by and you think, ah, and then you do it in. And all the time in their heart, they're crying for a change. They're looking for something. They do all these things that we know is wrong. It's like this woman, she was looking for something, something that would give her life. She's going down to Jacob's well every day and leaving the same. Do you remember who Jacob was? The deceiver. Hello, there's a point here. A deceiver. This was the deceiver's well. And people are going to the deceiver's well all the time. Hunting happiness, hunting joy, hunting peace. And we're looking at them as they pass by and think, wow, I don't want them at my church. And their heart's crying out, help. Help me. You know what? Don't judge people. Because if Jesus hadn't come in your life, you might be just exactly like them. Me and another preacher was talking the other day, Jack Robinson, we, we were talking on this. And I said, yep, I tell my congregation many times, if Jesus hadn't saved me, I'd either be in jail or hell. And I'm telling you, it's that serious too. We need to help people. We need to get into the place. See, she went down to the to Jacob's well, and it done her no good. These things don't satisfy people. John seven thirty seven thirty eight, and I'm closing in a little bit. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
Do you know what was going on that day? Do you know why he did that? Do you know why he got so, ex- I would say, more upset and offered the real reason? Because those Jews was going and with their little pitchers and going down to the pool of Salaam and getting them some water and they'd come back and they'd all pay. They'd sing some hymns and then they'd go pour it out. That's as exciting as some of our services. Hmm. Oh, stagnated water. I love what people did 50 years ago. I love what, I love to read about what they do, but that's just poured out water. You hear me? It's good. I love, I love, I, I, I love to read about Charles Finney, the Presbyterian, won 500,000 souls. There's been a missionary that stood right behind this desk right here, this sacred desk, and preached to you, and on record, they have won over one million people to Jesus Christ. Now, when you read about that five, read that five, oh, man, 500,000. That's wonderful. It's great. The sad part is some of us ain't won one. Maybe two. You don't understand, Brother Lambert. That's their calling. Yeah, I understand. I understand thoroughly. The reason we're not doing it is because we've cut the water off. You've heard me tell this before. I worked at a place called Pollock Paper Company. We're, it was about 30 feet underground. And the stairway's coming down. He's bringing a new man in, and I happened to be standing there. And I looked up at him, and I said, that man's a Christian. He's got the goods. I hadn't said a word to him, okay? I hadn't said a word to him. And I got to talking to him. He put on my shift, put under me, and I got to talking to him. Yeah, he was a Christian. heard me tell us some of you hadn't we had a little lunch room that we went in to get out of the noise and everything every once so often there was a guy I knew grew up with he come in man he had the foulest mouth I mean ooh I'd go back I, I said well there ain't no way he can get saved now you gotta remember I was about 24 at the time no way for him to get saved. Yeah, the Holy Spirit did remind me that, you know, I, I used to do a little of that too. Somehow when we get saved, it ain't near as bad as it used to be before we got saved. But I watched Billy Joel over the space of a few months start talking to that guy and witnessing to him. The one I said, ain't a way you can get saved. But one Sunday morning, we got off work, worked that night. Him and Billy Joe were standing out there by their car. And I grew up a little bit, and I said, Lord, help him to win him. 
Normally we work night shift and you got to work that night. You go go home and get some sleep and try to. I'd, I'd go to church and try to sleep in the afternoon. But Steve Summers was his name. Many of you know Steve Summers. Raise your hand. Steve said he went to Norwood Assembly of God. He didn't even go home. He just went to Norwood Assembly of God. He said, I sat there and the preacher preached. He said, I was under such conviction, I didn't even hear what he said. I was waiting for one thing when he said, if you want to be saved, come down. And Steve came down. And God saved him and gloriously saved him. His mother and daddy were backsliders out of the church of God. I'm a church of God, brother. And they'd been that way for years, just about the whole time they grew up. They they, they left the church. Well, Steve got saved. Mom and daddy got saved. Come back to God. Brothers and sisters got saved. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think they'd been saved by the way I felt about them? Hmm? I mean, I grew up, I knew them. I knew all of them. But it's to me that Steve, I look like he just turned the key on, to use bad words. But Billy Joe Stagger didn't look at it like that. And neither should we. I don't care how they dress or what they look like or what they're saying or how they're doing. They are the best candidates to find Jesus Christ, to receive this wonderful gift of God that God gave me and he gave you. There's one little story. I'm on, I am going to close. In the eastern countries, they used to, the water kind of came and went and your droughts and stuff. And they had water carriers. And those water carriers would walk through uh, the town holding water and they'd sell a drink of water. And they would cry out, who wants a drink of water? And they'd call out a price. And there was times... They said when the rich would stop him and buy up all the water, no, it was a good thing, and say to him, give it out free. The first saying, who will buy? That's what they would say. Here's water, who will buy? But This man or this rich person would pay for it and say, go give it out. And then they would cry out, here's water. Who will take? Here's water. Who will take? I'm telling you, there's water here today. Don't cost you anything. People say, oh, you have to give up so much. Five ex-husbands, one she's living with, nobody speak to her. Don't sound to me like she's giving up a lot. It's what you get. It's what you receive. Stand with me, if you will. You better be glad I hadn't studied this very well. I'd still be preaching. 
God's so wonderful. People's past, their history don't count. They are the best candidates. Do you hear me? I had a Baptist preacher I worked with one time. I was talking to Roy about it. He gave me a sermon. He said, you ever preached on the five candidates for hell? I said, no, and he gave me the five candidates for hell, and but it's good. One man that's a candidate for hell is that good moral man. He don't think he needs anything. He's good as you are down to church. In fact, the church is full of hypocrites. And I am a real good man. Guess what? One day he'll be in hell if he don't find Jesus Christ. I'm not going to preach the whole sermon to you. But that sinner under conviction is not a candidate for hell. He's a candidate to find Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The gift of God. Who will take? She did. Changed the whole city. And them hypocrite Pharisees and Sadducees wouldn't even walk through the country. They'd go around. If you find yourself avoiding people because of certain circumstances, you are wrong. You are wrong. You don't have to run with them. I'm not talking about go where they go. But you can be nice to them and you can talk to them and you can lead up to a conversation to tell them there is a better way. There's a living fountain. A living fountain.